welcome back to part two of our interview with Jennifer Scribner, author of From Mac and Cheese to Veggies, Please. Last time, we discussed Jennifer's own challenges as a picky adult and her three top strategies for getting kids eating. In today's episode, we put her on the spot on how to use those strategies to get real food into some of the pickiest eaters we have known, including a boy who defiantly tried to starve himself instead of eating dinner, and another whose diet is little more than white bread, Cheerios, peanut butter and white rice with nothing on it. That's coming up next on the Nutrition Heretic Podcast. Meet Gina. Gina wanted to lose weight, so she spent two years fasting, detoxing, and dabbling with vegan diets while practicing a shit ton of yoga to lose 25 pounds, but it took so long that nobody noticed. Then, Gina started Frenching her food by eating fatty cheeses, butter, sausages, and red meat, and lost 15 more pounds in only two months. Everybody noticed this time. Frenching your food unlocks the riddle of weight loss that skinny French chicks use to slim down, look young, and live longer despite doing everything wrong. Be like Gina. Start Frenching your food today by visiting nutritionheretic.com forward slash Frenching. Fat is bad for you. I just pop a pill and I'm fine. Meat is murder. <laughs> it's time for bad food punishment. It's time for real nourishment. It's time for the nutrition heretic. The following program is provided as information only and may not be construed as medical or health advice. It is not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any disease. No action or inaction should be taken solely on the basis of the information provided here. Please consult with a licensed healthcare professional or doctor on any matter relating to your health and well-being. You know, I, I have a couple of, of difficult cases. <laughs> if, you, okay. if, you want, if you want to give some uh, some feedback, sure. Uh, one is a child who um, only ate. Let me see. Only ate pizza and tacos willingly, and sometimes sometimes oatmeal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and oh, and nothing could have onions in it. So you know, his taco could not have onion in the meat or whatever. His pizza mm-hmm. could not have onion in the sauce. Um, just, you know, just being a pain in the butt. And apparently this was a child who ate very well up until he spent a weekend with his in-laws or, you know, or not in-laws, cousins. And um, they, you know, just gave him pizza and tacos all weekend. And so mm-hmm. his mom said, look, we're having, I don't know, beef stew for dinner tonight. And he refused to eat it. And she's like, well, you're not going to... Uh, you know, have pizza and tacos until you have at least a bite of this. And he went for several days without uh, doing anything other than like sucking on ice to the point Mm -hmm. that he dry heaved. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. Where do you even start (laughs) to to, uh, crack that ice, you know, to break through on on something so extreme? That's an extreme reaction to something that was a shorter period of time. That would make me wonder about the health of his gut to begin with. And if he was, 
you know, experiencing gut dysbiosis and, and having that kind of, you know, carbohydrate based food really triggered an overgrowth of something that was like, yeah, feed us, bring it on. Yeah, that that leads to a lot of these what we consider behavioral issues, but it's our microbes that are like screaming for this sugary food or this carbohydrate food. With the getting sick and the ice kind of thing, that in itself would lends itself to saying that he was having low blood sugar. Vomiting and nausea is a common reaction when we are hypoglycemic, when we have blood sugar reactions. Hypoglycemia is not normal. It is the first stage on the road to diabetes. That was not something I really understood until yes. I went back to nutrition school. So I like people to know that. I just mm-hmm. thought it was like a cute thing some people have. Yeah, I know, right? People, people dismiss it, right? They're like, oh, I just have a little yeah. hypoglycemia. I just eat a sugar cube and I'm fine. You it's know? like, yeah, oh, like I have brown hair or something. You know, right. it's like, no, this is this is a, this is a problem. Uh, and, I, and I find kids even that are eating, you know, fairly quote unquote healthy by today's standards often have issues with blood sugar regulation because mm-hmm. they're still eating a lot of carbohydrates yes. or not getting enough fat in the diet. And to keep the blood sugar balanced. So in that case, that is something where we you have to look out for the signs of low blood sugar and manage that. And that can be having a quick carbohydrate, like a little bit of honey and coconut oil or something like an apple juice. And you really want to pair it with fat so that you're getting some of that longer term fuel as well as enough glucose to just boost and, and away from dangerous low blood sugar. And it kind of depends on the kid. I mean, if in that situation, since it was acute and short, I would probably like cold turkey method. No, we're just breaking this right where the, you know, the way it came back to us is like not happening and we're going cold turkey and we're only eating these things, which is what it sounds like what they did with some kids. You may be able to reason with them or, you know, depending on their and developmental level, they might be open to changing certain things, but you have to kind of come to consensus on that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I would also just look at, okay, how can, what's the the most nutritious things we can get into this kid that will keep him stabilized at the moment? Like, is it something that's, that's a juice? Is there something that he liked in the past that we can work to get something in? Those microbes are upset. I, you know, what can we do to help him feel better while they are dying off? <laughs> Right, right. Yeah. Is it, does it help to start uh, sneaking, let's say, bone broth into the taco meat? Or, um, you know, when I uh, had mm-hmm. Heather Dane, Heather Dane, who wrote the bone broth book with Louise Hay, uh, when yeah. I had her on the show, we talked about um, how they take like a neutral tasting broth and add it to their baked goods, you know, use it yeah. adding that to the pizza dough. <laughs> and, yeah. And maybe more I've to the sauce. I've done that a lot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sauces are a great mask. If you have a kid who likes sauce, you can definitely sneak broth in and and something that's like a chicken broth that you don't even salt or add any seasoning to can be very bland. Yeah. So you can always sneak something like that in and, you know, can you put that in a smoothie? If they are like, okay, we're going to do taco meat or pizza, you know, does it go in those sauces? Yeah. Okay. And I would think, and sometimes not wanting something like onions, which, or, which is like a higher FODMAP food, that can feel uncomfortable. And so mm. that can be one of those digestive things that doesn't feel good, but your kid may not have the language to describe that, uh, that, that gives them a tummy ache or it makes them, you know, well, you have know, different stools or something. Well, you know what happened with that is um, I, I actually broke the onion thing. 
quite by accident. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> we went shopping a- in Lancaster County. We do these big road trips, and I had made a thermos of tuna. And I, uh, instead of throwing out, because this was the tuna not in water, but in its own juices, and instead of throwing out, you know, the minerals mm-hmm. in that juice, I used desiccated onion to to soak it up. Mm-hmm. And so um, I gave it to him and he just starts eating it. And I turned to his mom and I'm like, oh, shoot, there's onions. In it. <laughs> and she's like, don't say anything. Don't say anything. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then after he finished, she's like, so how did you like that tuna? He's like, that tuna was great. <laughs> oh, she was like, there's there was. Uh, so it seemed like there was a power struggle more than anything is, I guess, where I'm going with this. Yeah. And, you know, in those cases, do is it you know, like, okay, let's sit down and come to a consensus uh, about, you know, what you're willing to try or give them some ownership and yeah, some control. Especially with older kids, when, when you're not able to be around them all the times that they're eating, that can be important. But like you kind of stumbled upon, there are times where you can mince it up or you can puree it and you can sneak a little bit of it in and they're they will accept it that way. It's just the visual sensory thing that's that's bothersome to them, or they may have some particular association of a bad experience with that, that is carrying over to them not liking it. But it's really not about the taste or anything else. It's sort of that associative kind of problem. <clears throat> so I'm definitely not opposed to sneaking stuff in and mincing things. You know, when we get kids who are like, okay, they'll eat a hamburger patty or they'll eat a meatball great. What can we get in there? We're cooking it in broth, you you know, all of those strategies. Right, right. Great. Now, um, here's, here's my second one. And this is a a relative of mine. Uh, Eats nothing. (laughs) He's down to Cheerios with milk. uh, Mm -hmm. uh, You know, basically Wonder Bread. I don't even know if they actually make that stuff, but some, some equivalent of, you know, Mm -hmm. spongy, um, white bread, you know, won't eat, for example, sourdough, you know, he won't eat mm-hmm. like, a, like a real bread. No. Um, okay. You know, so it's not like he'll just eat any bread or, or what have you. Um, yeah. Says he'll eat grilled cheese, but really just picks at it and, and thinks you're not going to see the crumbs on the floor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, it, this was actually pretty hilarious. He came to my house and we have a lemon tree and uh, I had, I have this bucket of honey that I bought coconut honey. And so I was like, Hey kids, we're in the house today. Why don't we make lemonade? And he's like, yes, but he, he wanted to make it, but then he didn't want to drink it because Mm. why I hate honey. Right. So (laughs) then, so, so, uh, at at the end of the week, we go to uh, a farmer's market on the other side of the Island. And I see my friend who sold me the honey and we stop there and she yeah, I'm saying hi. And she's like, hey, you guys want to try the honey? And he's like, sure, I love honey. And we're like, what? And then so, <laughs> we're like, whatever. And so that he, we, just, we just ignored it. He tried it. And he's like, oh, my gosh, this is so good. Mom, can you buy some? And we're like, what was wrong with the honey at, at, at my house? And he said, well, this is coconut honey. And I said, that was coconut honey, too. As a matter of fact, it was her coconut honey. It's the same, <laughs> same one, same batch. <laughs> it's, it's the same honey. And so he didn't have an excuse for that. But, you know, literally, we would, you know, go to a restaurant. Uh, can we just have a bowl of white rice or can, you know, pasta with a little butter, but not too much butter or else it's going to be rejected? No mm-hmm. cheese, you know, no so- soy sauce he has decided is disgusting. Where do we go from here? That we got is, him to eat honey. That, that, was the, yeah. that was the big breakthrough. 
<laughs> that and brown and yeah. rice ramen. <laughs> so this is like a little bit of nutrients there. That is, that's a cycle that tends to really spiral out of control because a kid like that ends up so malnourished. Mm-hmm. And you see this sometimes in anorexia as well, where there are such nutritional depletions that there is really irrational thoughts about food yeah. and flavors and textures that you're almost depleting yourself of nutrients to where you end up with sensory issues. My, I would be sure that his gut is not in a good state. So it takes some effort to break out of something like this. And that's probably a kid that I would, again, do like a cold turkey method with because there's, if they're at that age where there's going to be kind of that continual opposition, that can be really tough to try to put anything else in unless they could sneak something in. When there's the, what you described, he's not eating any meat or any vegetables or any of those things that have that wider variety of nutrition. So there's just an extreme malnourishment. And that tends to lead to issues with the skin, like, you know, eczema or rashes, frequent colds, frequent, you know, ear infections, learning issues at school, behavioral issues, trouble getting to sleep fatigue like there's so many other things that get wrapped up when you are that picky that it's it has to be turned around for the health of the child and probably for your own sanity too because the kid like that is going to be on that blood sugar roller coaster all the time they're going to be hangry they're going to be difficult to be around you don't want to let your kids annoy the crap out of you all the time like that's no way to live (laughs) so that's the kind of thing that you really it's, it's hard and it's scary, but, and it's gonna, he's gonna put up a fight because he's already got some of that, you know, in him and yeah. has been exhibiting that for a while. But it's better to kind of nip that in the bud and turn it around because you're gonna have an intense couple weeks of unhappiness. But then you're going to have a kid that is much more pleasant to be around. They're going to be nourished. They're going to grow appropriately and meet some of those other milestones that they might be lagging behind. At least that's what I've seen in my clients like that. When they are getting older, they aren't growing. They aren't reaching yeah. the heights and that type of thing. They're, they're very small. Right. And one of the things that happens with that is a lot of times there is such blood sugar dysregulation. They're so addicted to carbs. They're not burning fats. He may not digest fats very well. So you might have to work on that with a supplement and, and specifically you know, get, <laughs> get his gallbladder <laughs> working again. I, I was ready to stick order. an IV in him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. And sometimes people just try to address it by like, oh, I give him a multivitamin. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. It's, it's not like enough. Just, just getting him to get anything in, other, mm-hmm. you know, it's really, really tough, you know. And he understands. He's not, you know, he's not an idiot. He understands what's going on. He knows he's not growing. He knows this is, you know, he's not meeting certain milestones. Um, but it's just, it's really been. It's again, it seems like very much a power struggle. Um, you know, more than anything, uh, you know, he's been apparently tested for all kinds of dis- digestive and psychological issues. They, they're, everything is turning up zero, but I, I can't help but mm. think that there is something, if, if there wasn't something to begin with, there is now, <laughs> you know, because, yeah. right, right? Because right. after, after a while, like your, your system shuts down, you know, and, and we see this with people who fast for a long time. Uh, when mm-hmm. they try to reintroduce food, all of a sudden their body doesn't know what the heck to do with it. Right. Yeah. Um, You're not going to be needing the enzymes to break down 
all those processed foods. It just doesn't require as much. Your stomach acid tends to like be why bother, you know? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you don't need me very much, so I'm not going to try too hard. Um, yeah, use that energy for something else, right? Yeah. To me, that would be a case where I'd be like, take a week off of work. This is what you're dedicated to. It's going to be a fight, but something has to change. And 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 he's not alone, and there's nothing wrong with him kind of a diagnosis. I've seen mm. that time and time again, too. And the parents know that this is not right, that yes. there's something going on that there's that hasn't been tested for or it hasn't been figured out yet but there's clearly something that's not on the right path and once you get to a certain age there's the when people don't know what to do with that there's a lot of wait and see but it's very rare that you can wait and see yourself out of a situation like that and even myself like I wasn't that extreme of a picky eater but I was a picky eater and and it didn't stop when yeah. I grew up, it didn't stop until much later. And, you know, at the point where I was having health problems and became and needed to rectify them myself, that was my motivation. So it's, yeah, it takes some real effort, but it's so worth it. Yeah, for sure. Like focus on the prize, not, not the pain. <laughs> well, the, the one interesting thing, and I actually I should follow up with his, his mom is uh, that when he was here, uh, he really, he's, I wish my kids were as helpful. Okay. <laughs> as he is. And so every afternoon when I'm out, like, you know, picking grass for the goats or whatever, cause we have this like overgrown tall grass and, but it's in uh-huh. an area where I don't want the goats to like get into poisonous stuff or, or the road. Uh, so, you know, I pick it for it. I like just hack down some, some weeds and, and throw it in there for them. And so he really loved, you know, taking care of the goats and he loved taking care of the chickens and gathering the eggs every day. So mm-hmm. he had asked his mom if they could have, uh, chickens. And I said to her, make sure that he knows he's got to eat the eggs. <laughs> he can't have chickens <laughs> without eating those eggs. So I should find out if they've ever even gotten around to getting the chickens and, you know, whether or not he's entertained the prospect of eating one egg. <laughs> Yeah, because and a lot of kids that have this type of extreme sensory and other issues with food do very, very well in more natural settings, whether it be, you know, tending to something like chickens, going swimming a lot, being out mm. in the woods, they really benefit from that reconnection with nature in other ways as well. It's very calming and grounding to them. Yes. So that's something that in itself can be really hugely changing. And I was, I would really wonder about learning and all those things, like how, what he's been tested for and how, you know, if that's really getting to the root of that kind of stuff. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, the, the expert, uh, as far as I understand, these people are all, you know, very highly regarded for the work that they've done, um, you know, with these types of children and, or at least, uh, you know, diagnosing these types of disorders. Uh, mm-hmm. however, you know, there's, I guess you're only as good as, as, um, you are, you know I mean? Uh, uh, until you find that real challenge. Yeah. So you're, yeah, your toughest case. <laughs> right. Exactly. You, you get the toughest case. So tell me yeah. about one of your toughest case success stories or, or maybe not even necessarily <clears throat> that tough, but you know, <clears throat> so, something that yeah. you were just, you know, blown away with how well it worked. I mean, the most rewarding ones for me are always the ones that are the hardest and take the longest. And I feel like, you know, earlier on in my career, that was more prevalent because I didn't have the experience. Like that's what I gained that I, that this book was born out of. And so I had one kid who was on the autism spectrum. I believe he was 
five at the time and it was summer and it was unique because his dad actually was the one who was in charge of food and and was at home with him and he was a a big faster he refused to eat for almost 10 days we had him drinking a lemonade which was a homemade you know lemon juice a little touch of honey some sea salt keeping that electrolyte balance keeping his blood sugar stable but he was also on Miralax was still having you know constipation was having trouble getting to sleep and with you know within these couple weeks like that 10 days was really stressful and we were on the phone a lot and we were you know what to try next okay let's you know a little bit of carrot juice let's keep offering this let's you know try this type of meat cooked in the broth and let's you know we just keep offering this within a limited range of things that we want to have but when he finally was like okay I get it (laughs) This is not changing. He was feeling very lethargic. He was like a little zombie. You know, it was very, very sad. And he decided that he would eat a piece of meat and have a a bit off of, you know, his parents plate and was like, okay, I can do this. And we just added a little bit of magnesium in as a mineral. And he was off of Miralex so fast, you know, which is not something that they had been able to do prior. Mm hmm. And by the end of summer, he was eating a wide variety of foods and was going to sleep easier, was a lot more calm to be around. And it was funny because, you know, kind of like what you had talked about before, like maybe the kids don't even know what's that this is a reaction for them. Yes. He was at his cousin's house and they were playing in the basement and somebody had some macaroni and cheese, ironically, (laughs) and he swiped a you know, he swiped a bowl and he had a couple bites and his dad went down there and found him and was like, Oh my gosh, no, that wasn't for you. That's for your cousins. And he called me and he was like, my kid is like a psycho right now. Oh no. (laughs) How long is this going to (laughs) last? Back to lemon juice and honey. (laughs) He'd been off of gluten. He'd been off of dairy for, you know, this six weeks or something. And when he got a taste of it again and got he didn't eat a whole bunch but had a few bites of that it was so obvious how problematic that was for his behavior his Mm. mood they were able to pop him right back into eating regular foods but he was very unhappy about it again right (laughs) and so it really helped identify like this is a, a real sensitivity within him that that wasn't apparent before he was eating foods like that and yeah it wasn't like over the top tantramine, but he wasn't a happy kid either. So sometimes when we remove these things and we figure out what are the real triggers here, what are the real sensitive foods that we have, you know, we'll try adding something back and then it can become very obvious where before the problems and the issues within the body were so chronic that we couldn't really see what the, what the culprit was. Right. Right. Yeah. And, um, it's important, I think, sometimes we talked about the social aspect when it does happen in someone else's house. It does happen at somebody else's birthday party because it's then you're like, see, this is what I've been telling you. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, okay, okay, we get it, we get it. <laughs> and with an older kid, you can help them understand that and really internalize, you know, oh, you had this bunch of Easter candy or whatever birthday cake and then you had all this anxiety again and you were crying and we had to leave the party early because you were so upset like there's there's ways to kind of have that conversation 
at the appropriate developmental level where kids really start understanding and getting in tune with how food makes them feel. And that's something that they will have forever, whether they choose to, you know, follow that their own body advice is another story for their whole life, but they will know they will have that knowledge and know that they can go back to that. Wow. That's fantastic. Well, congratulations. And thank you so much for the work that you're doing because it's, uh, as you know, as we said, it's so important, not only for children, but for adults, you know, many of us, um, you know, we, we need to stick to something, you know, and it's, uh, I, I love the one line in, in your book where you say, you know, if for some reason, you know, this particular diet that you're recommending doesn't work, don't just go back to junk food because no diet that's worth it <laughs> will tell you to eat <laughs> junk food, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, whole foods are a commonality between all types of healing diets and all these different eating plans. And, and yeah, if you pop back to junk and, you know, then you start feeling crummier, your energy is lower. And I will say with kids, but particularly with us as adults, you know, eating whole foods hasn't solved all of my addiction to sugar or any of that. Like we have emotional triggers, we have those moments and that's something to honor. And for me, not automatically going to criticism of myself and shame just just loving myself a little bit and being like wow you really need to have sugar in your pocket when you're around you know the in-laws and um a lot of the nieces and nephews because it's super overwhelming for you like oh that's that's something that really gives you comfort right now rather than criticizing you know myself for that I have some compassion for that and be like yeah I haven't solved this yet and there are other layers of emotional things that that are at play there as well so there's the physiological piece that changing our food can can have such a big foundational impact on but there's other pieces as well so I don't want people to feel like because they aren't able to stick to a plan or something that it is the plan's problem or that it is their problem. There is a more holistic way of looking at these things. That's the mind, body, spirit, not just the body like we're talking about here. Right. And, you know, I, I'm glad that you said that because I think as practitioners, people look at us and, you know, they expect us to be a certain way, you know, like, oh, you know, you're perfect, you know, you do everything to it, and, you know, so, like, they'll see me with the mm-hmm. beer, and they'll be like, you're drinking beer? That's, you know. <laughs> I feel that when I go to the grocery store, and I buy ice cream, I'm like, oh, I hope I don't run into anybody I know, like, that's how I used to feel, now I don't so much, because I'm like, yeah, I'm Cuban, I'm, I'm not trying to put out this image that I'm perfect about it, but, I have, you know, a certain level and I have a motivation and I have something that I can share in my imperfections. <laughs> right. And, and I mean, for me, and it's not imperfect to eat ice cream sometimes either. I don't right. want to get that, you right. know, <laughs> well, there's, well t- to me, I, I made a decision well before I learned anything about, you know, real, you know, nutrition and gaps and all of this, which is that no matter what I put in my body, I'm going to do the best I can afford. So, mm-hmm. you know, if it's, I've talked about apple pie before, like I made one last night, you know, but I used the best quality that I could find, you know what I'm saying? So yes. like, I'm not going to McDonald's for my apple pie, but you know, I'm not going to criticize you if you do, but that's just, not, that's just my choice. You know, that's the way I yeah. look at it. So it's not, uh, you know, it, to some extent, um, you know, there's, there's, you know, when, like, I, I believe you said this also in the, in the book, you know, this isn't like an 80, 20 deal, you know, <laughs> you're not going to be good 80% of the time and, and expect to see, you know, all the results. Um, 
but uh you know for you know particularly dealing with a child with autism for example or like mm-hmm. this little boy you talked about he had the the mac and cheese and and you know it went ballistic uh you know not not talking in terms of that but you know just like when you're beyond that, you say the initial two years of that, uh, and you are getting back into, you know, just kind of living your life and you, you know, you've got the, the regular stresses and triggers, like you say, and you have to, uh, find a way to make your lifestyle sustainable, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like when you give in, you know, sometimes you can find, uh, a new food, for example, that replaces that. Maybe it's not, you know, a proper apple pie, but maybe it's some kind of crumble that has, you know, a, a different topping that you can, t- that you know, you can tolerate. But you know, yeah. if you go to a restaurant and it's like a birthday or something, you know, you have to start to learn that self-love and forgiveness and, and just, you know, bless it and release it, you know, <laughs> you just, yeah. you know, do it and, and then enjoy it if you're doing it. And right. I mean, if you know, kind of one of the jokes in nutrition school is, Oh, we still eat junk food. It's just a lot higher quality. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) You know, if I want a potato chip, it's going to be like a $5, $7 bag coconut oil potato chip. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) And those are the kind of shifts that you make. And it's like, yeah, it's not ideal, but it's not, you know, what it was before either. And, And that's why I feel like depending on what your motivation is and where you're starting from and where you're getting to with your health, being able to get to a point where you feel well and you've kind of stuck to your plan to that point. And then what keeps you at that level of feeling good? Like that's what works for me. And the longer you have eaten well, you've become more nourished, you have more resilient where you can go off the rails a little bit and still feel mentally clear, still have energy, still be happy to get out of bed in the morning. Like those are the things that I stay in tune with and that I encourage with people. So it's not always about the food. It's about what it's doing for you overall, how it's making you feel and and that's the real result we're after. It's not about the macros or the, you know, perfect meal plan. Yes. It's how are you doing holistically and how is this working for you right. and your body? Right, right, right. Yeah. And I mean, I could talk to you all day. <laughs> Honestly, I, you know, like everything you say, I'm like, I got something else to say, but I'm going to let you go today. Can you please uh, let everybody know where they can find your book? Yeah, so the book is called From Mac and Cheese to Veggies, Please, and it is available on Amazon. And for people who are local in the Portland, Oregon, where I am, it's also available at Barnes & Noble. Nice, awesome. And um, they can find you at uh, bodywisdomnutrition.com, which is also your handle on Facebook and Instagram, Body Wisdom Nutrition. Uh, On Twitter and Pinterest, it's Jen with two N's, Scribner, S-C-R-I-B-N-E-R. And uh, at uh, LinkedIn, at Jennifer Scribner. Thank you so much for being with us. Oh, thanks so much. It's so fun to talk with you. Oh, it's a pleasure speaking with you again. Bye-bye. Bye. The Nutrition Heretic Podcast is a production of Savor the Journey, LLC. Our audio editor is Nikola Popovich. Our podcast manager is Crystal McLean. And our operations manager is Michelle Med. I'm your host, Adrian Hugh, the Nutrition Heretic. You can find us at the new and improved nutritionheretic.com, where you can download the Nutrition Heretic's free shit list of seven health foods to avoid like the plague. You can also listen to previous episodes at nutritionheretic.com forward slash podcast. Be sure to like us on social media for updates. Our Facebook page is facebook.com slash nutritionheretic. 
and on Twitter at NutriHeretic. Contact us with show ideas, questions, or if you want to be a guest. And don't forget to rate our podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. Thank you.